Hey, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online. You know, the holidays are almost here. Yes, they are. And you know what the perfect gift for the paranormal lover in your life would be this year? A subscription to Real Ghost Stories Online EPP programs? That's exactly right! All right! That's right. You can give the gift that keeps on giving a year-long membership to our EPP podcast. That's the Extra Podcast Person podcast. Every week, that special someone gets an extra episode of Real Ghost stories online and exclusive access to our video content and so much more gee that's swell and keen make the holidays haunted this year and give the gift of ghosts with an epp membership that someone special in your life from real ghost stories online sign them up now at realghoststoriesonline.com welcome to real ghost stories online Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You are about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. People often go to the video store for a good scare. The scariest thing about this video store isn't in the horror section, though. A couple of girls attempt to contact the same ghost that haunted their mother's childhood home, but how do they know they're talking to the right ghost? Teens spend the evening exploring the Wisconsin countryside, but will they ever return to the village? Oh, this sounds interesting. It might be something from the homeland that you recognize. I did shit like that. And a woman receives a phone call from the hospital when her father passes away, yet the hospital staff claim that they were not the ones who made the call. Those stories, your calls, and more today on Real Ghost Stories Online. Happy uh, post-Halloween. Yeah, happy Halloween's over. Yay. I uh, uh, got the gravestones out of the yard today. I know. That was kind of sad. I know. <clears throat> We're leaving up our uh, haunted house and our cemetery picture until Christmas time, though. Yeah, that'll be good. I like those. Everything. But you, you were actually pretty creative with uh, those, uh, the fake pumpkins that we have that they sell now. You can carve, you know, the, the, the uh-huh. they're kind of like foamish, uh, foamish pumpkins. And uh, they're carved. But you just walked around the house today and turned them all towards the wall. Like, look, now they're Thanksgiving pumpkins. Yeah, they're just fall pumpkins. I never even thought of that. I thought we'd have to take those down, but no. Very yeah. uh, crafty. <laughs> now, if we could just do that with the real uh, live pumpkins, that would be even more convenient because then uh, those will start rotting. And Oh, man. We start our pumpkin carving so early that you get some pretty rancid, juicy stuff on the front porch. Yeah. Well, we have plenty we have not carved yet. I still want to carve some because mm-hmm. it was uh, our nanny and the girls that got the carve from the other night, and we haven't done them with us. So I'm gonna do a, maybe a Christmas pumpkin. You're gonna do a Christmas. Pumpkin? I'm gonna do a Christmas tree into a pumpkin. Okay. Because I, I think some of the pumpkins may live that long. Okay, that sounds I, good. I wonder what that would be like. And carry caroling through the neighborhood by Christmas pumpkin. You're gonna have to get the snow shovel out to scrape that one off the front porch. That's true. We've done that. Literally, we've had to scrape <laughs> we pumpkins have. off. It's the, gross. Uh, 
after enough people say, yeah, you know, your pumpkin out there is. Yeah, I know. I just got. I think it. April was the record for the longest the pumpkin stayed on the porch. Well, it froze, and then it kind of like didn't smell, and it just was there, and then it thawed, and it's kind of like a thawed strawberry, where it's like, oh yeah, it's uh, it's not so good anymore. Oh. So. Yeah, uh, let's uh, kick off the uh, show here this uh, morning or this afternoon or this day or whenever it is you may be listening to our program. Uh, let's go to a letter first of all, and of course you can write in your letters to us at realghoststoriesonline.com. If you want to call in, the phone number is eight five five eight five three forty eight zero two. Chrissy writes in, "Hey guys, when I was a child, my mom would take me to a video rental store called Video City." <laughs> And I can imagine it was like a real light-up sign, probably purple, yellow, and an exclamation point at the end. Think so? Video City! <laughs> um, there was one, I, I know I'm going off topic again, but there was a uh, video place uh, that I remember in my uh, hometown where it was just videos, exclamation point. And when you read it, you know... If, you, if you're reading it correctly, you should read it with the inflection, you know, not just videos or you need McDonald's, you know, parties, uh-huh. whatever the business may be. No exclamation points. You just read it normally. Videos, you have to say, video! <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, it was it was one of those things where you drive by and it may be whatever sort of bizarre, tense, or whatever conversation you're having at that moment in time. It would immediately alleviate it the second you look out the window and go, Video! You know, kids are going to wonder where that term came from anymore. What a video is? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like, you know, album sales or records, Mm -hmm. record sales. What's a record? Well, people, you know, mixers, you know, kind of. (laughs) Continuing on, it was down the street from where we lived and we went uh, almost uh, on a weekly basis. During this time, it must have been in third grade. It wasn't too far of a walk, but I remember my mom teaching me how to take the bus, so that's uh, how we usually got there. There was a front and back entrance. It was a nice little location. We usually filled, uh, it was usually filled with customers. I found it strange that this video store went out of business. This was in the early 90s, and most of those stores did very well. They were really nice and were not rude about rewinding fees, and they had one of the first places you can drop your videotape to the mailbox slot in the front door. People loved the place and the workers. They were usually closed before dusk, but I remember the stores always being busy. The lines were long, but they were fast, so I didn't understand how they weren't a successful business. Then out of nowhere, they closed. Everything in the store looked like it was still in business. They had a sign on the front door asking customers to leave their rentals. Then the place was empty. The letters on the building were gone. Windows were tinted with a phone number advertising to buy the location. I ignored a majority of the rumors. None of the workers or owners of the business died at the time. And if they had, it would have been reported in the local news or newspaper. Still, we all wondered why a good business was suddenly gone. Eventually, it was replaced with a fast food chain, which I always thought was odd because they never had a drive-through. The place seemed to be doing well, but I remember them constantly trying to enforce loitering fines. Luckily, I don't think anybody was actually fined, at least none of my friends ever were. They always said that kids were playing pranks on them, so the security guard would tell whoever didn't order food that they couldn't hang out around there. 
They claimed that kids would leave the back door open all the time, and later on, they made it an emergency exit only. I noticed that the workers didn't stay there often. You'd see new faces all the time, but it was a minimum wage job, so I didn't put too much thought into that. Later on, business was bad. As the years went by, the place was closing earlier, and it was because they're always understaffed. I still think it had too much potential to be a prank done by kids, so I'm a bit skeptical. The former workers would get scared around the later hours. They said that the back door would often shake. It was uh, one of those glass doors. When they walked to see if someone tried to get in, it would stop shaking, and they didn't see anyone near the door. This was what several of those former workers said happened quite frequently, and it was only during the later hours. In the back of my head, I still think it may have been a prank, but it raised a few eyebrows since the workers did quite uh, did quit frequently. This was all spoken in passing, so I'm sure there's more to the story than was really talked about. Since the place went out of business, they completely remodeled the new location. No back door at all. The new place is another restaurant, and the reason why I'm sharing this is because the fire department was called a year ago after a grease fire. While nobody was harmed, customers complained that they didn't have a fire exit at this location after the incident. To this day, they still don't have an emergency exit, so it does seem odd. They ever make one where the last door used to be. I'll be sure to keep an eye out on this place again. Thanks for reading, and I hope you keep making more of those wonderful episodes. Do you think something paranormal caused the grease fire just because the door wasn't there? Well, it sounds like there's something... I mean, I guess you can make the assumption anyway that there's something that's, you know odd going on in this place is causing either the businesses to leave or quit um because nobody wants to work there late yeah and and that eventually would harm your business mm-hmm. um so you can't ever really make a run out of it and maybe somebody eventually decided to kill the door because that was causing issues i don't know how you could pass some sort of inspection and open your business that's my question without having the door entrance unless there's some other route that's considered an alternative. Yeah, without having that second back door. I would think that the fire inspector would say you can't open your business. Yeah. Um, But there's obviously some way around that uh, if they're continuing to open and close this business. Um, Yeah, I think it's something that's probably a pre-video store, too. think so. Yeah, I mean, I wonder what, what was in there before the video store, too. Yeah. Or on the grounds, or, you know, mm-hmm. the typical that you wonder. Yeah, like if there's somebody buried underneath the building. <laughs> right. Um, Hannah, the creepiest thing I've ever seen at a video store was going into family video and seeing that they have a porn section. <laughs> that, to me, was a, is a creepy concept at family video. I never, ever saw that until you pointed it out to me because I didn't believe you. I didn't believe it at first either until someone pointed it out to me. I'm like, no, it's family video. I mean, they're like the one remaining video chain in the United States that still does a fairly good business. And I don't think even Blockbuster had that, did they? I'm pretty sure Blockbuster did it. I don't think so. I I think Hollywood might have when they were around. Um, But... Family video of all places. I'm just thinking, really? Seriously? I don't think, I mean, and I'm not saying you can't have that section if you're a video store, but your name can't be family video. 
<laughs> it should be family making video. Well, I guess you could. <laughs> although most of the folks that you see wandering back to that section probably should not be entrusted with the care of any young people. <laughs> when he's like, okay, yeah. I mean, you, it's just questionable if they even drove to the store. And you're like, yeah, you probably shouldn't be driving either. But, uh, yeah, questionable. That's just scary. Uh, <laughs> anyhow, we still go to family video. Do, that, do they still have that section there? I, I think it does. It still exists? I'm pretty sure. Since you pointed it out, it's like glaringly obvious now. At this day and age, really, with the internet and all that, people still need to go to family video to get their family video porn on? I guess so. God. Well, all right. <laughs> all right. And, uh, this episode today brought to you by... Fa- no. <laughs> no. Uh, 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call into Real Ghost Stories Online and share your real ghost story with us. Hello. Hey, Connie. Hey, Jenny. This is Tim in Ohio. Trying to call again with my story of the haunted pool hall. Hopefully this one comes through okay. And I'll try to keep it short. Uh, basically, it goes like this. I used to work and for a short while live in a haunted pool hall. Um... Not really sure why it was haunted. It was a new building that was built in the late 90s, and I started working there about a year after they opened. And uh, I started with the original employees having experiences, like seeing window blinds go up and down by themselves or uh, hearing weird screams. It sounded like kids screaming or something like that at night. Most of the things would happen, like, after hours after we close. And uh, you you start to hear stories about people saying things like that, and... You didn't really believe it at first, and then I started having experiences when I started working there. Like, um, I mean, the first thing that happened to me was there's a utility phone on the wall behind the counter, and it was like one of the old, um, it was almost like an antique, like one of the utility phones with a cover on it where you had to swing the door open to get to the phone. And uh, all of a sudden, that door on the phone just swung open really hard and slammed the wall. And I thought, oh, well, maybe it's on a maybe it's on a spring or something. That was when I was, like, first starting. I hadn't even used the phone yet. When I go over to it and find that the door is, like, really tight. Like, you can't just swing it open. You have to physically move the, move the covers. So it's impossible for it to slam open. And I think one of the crazy things about the you haunted know, pool was that a lot of these same experiences happened to a lot of different people. Like, a, at least a few different people had a phone thing happen to them. At least a few different people over the years saw the windows blind, window blinds go up and down by themselves. At least a few different people saw a white light flash across the room. At least a few different people over the years heard the weird scream come from the back of the building. Um, a lot of stuff seemed to happen in the girls' restroom. We'd have girls ask us why the toilets flushed by themselves and stuff like that. And uh, one time the owner, and this was like really the first thing that happened to her. She was in there and saw someone out of the corner of her eye and looked over and nobody was there. It was when we were closing down. It was just me and her in the building and she'd gone in there to shut the lights off. Um, the two scariest things that happened to me personally, uh, one night I was in there after closing and I was with just me and one other person were there and already closed and I went to walk into the kitchen and I stopped dead in my tracks because 
when I entered the kitchen, all I could hear was the sound of a little girl crying. And it, it was so loud that it was echoing off the walls. Like if there was an actual 10-year-old girl standing in the middle of the kitchen, sobbing her eyes out, that's how loud it was. And there was absolutely no one there. And I just kind of backed out and ran out of there. Now that wasn't as bad because, like I said, I wasn't alone. My friend of mine was there. I think it was always a lot scarier being alone. Like I said, what happened was I actually ended up living there for a short while. And, uh, you know, you think a young guy alone in the pool hall in the middle of the night, I'd be having a blast and taking advantage of all the free pool and pinball I could get. But it wasn't like that because once we closed down and everybody else left except me, I'd lock myself in the office because if I was out in the main room, it was just horrifying. You know, it was just always a constant sensation of being watched. And you'd always feel like just a bad vibe. It's hard to describe. And um, you'd always seem like you could hear people talking, but it was just like, it was almost like it was off in the distance. Like you couldn't quite hear what they were saying, even though it wasn't that big of a place. If there was somebody talking inside of there, you should be able to hear it. It's always seemed like there's all this conversation going on. It was just really scary, you know, so I, I, I closed up and I would just go in the office. Um, the last story I'll tell, which was the scariest thing that ever happened to me there, was one of the nights when I was staying there and I was all alone and I locked myself in the office as usual. And I'm sitting there watching TV at the desk. And this is a really wide desk, really deep desk. So the TV's, you know, it's three feet in the back of the desk against the wall and the remote control was laying by the TV. I know for a hundred percent fact, I remember like it was yesterday that this remote control was by the TV and I'm sitting there watching TV and all of a sudden I hear the remote hit the floor and I look to the right of the TV and the remote's not there anymore. And I look down on the floor and there's the remote laying on the floor next to me. Somehow it went from next to the TV to the floor next to me without me even seeing it move in a matter of seconds, which is just very bizarre. So I'm sitting there trying to make sense of this, and all of a sudden I start hearing footsteps. And the footsteps were coming from the attic above me, and they were coming from the back of the building, and they were very heavy, deliberate human footsteps coming towards me. And as I'm listening to them, I'm thinking, oh, it must be an animal. Boom, boom, boom. No, that's not an animal. Boom, boom, boom. Getting closer and closer. I'm freaking out because it's obvious heavy human footsteps in the attic. It's like three in the morning. I'm all by myself. There's no one else in the building. There's no one above there. The door to the attic, the one of those pull-down ladders, is right above where I'm sitting. No one has gotten up there since I've been there all night. All day I've been there. So the footsteps get louder and louder, closer and closer. When they got above the door to the office where I was in, the door frame of the office actually cracked from the pressure. And when that happened, I literally fell out of the chair and was on the floor and just kind of backed up against the wall. And the footsteps came in and stopped right above where I was sitting, right next to that ladder entrance to the attic, the pull-down door, whatever you call it. And I was up against the wall on the floor, and I stayed there all night, just terrified, never moved, never fell asleep. 
just sat right there, petrified, waiting for that door to fly open and for God knows what to come out at me. And nothing ever did. No one ever went up. No one ever came down. Never heard another footstep. Just nothing for the rest of the night. And I'd say that was definitely the scariest thing that happened to me, mostly because I was by myself at the time. Um, that and the little girl crying were probably the two craziest things that happened to me there. Um, oh, another couple good ones. One time, uh, the owner and another employee had a Gatorade bottle jump off the counter next to him and land on the floor standing up. And what was weird about that, I mean, that's like the middle middle of the night when the place was still open and there's a lot of people there, but they were the only two that actually saw it. And I I had come back from break uh, right as it happened. I come around the corner and they're both just standing there staring at this Gatorade bottle on the on the floor. And I'm like, why are you guys looking at this Gatorade bottle? And they're just, you know, flabbergasted trying to make sense of how it just leapt in the air and came down on the floor standing up. And, uh, oh, another weird one. I'd often smell a really strong smell of coffee. And it was always in the same spot behind the counter. And it was usually during the day before we'd open. So I'd be the only one there. And I would smell this coffee. But we didn't even have any coffee in the building. And it smelled like fresh brewed coffee. And like I said, there wasn't even any in the building. So it just made no sense whatsoever. I didn't really think anything paranormal of that other than it was unexplained. I happen to mention that, and that, like so many other stories, is something that actually happened to a bunch of other people. Um, and we all had the same experiences, and then we realized that the owner and a couple other people said the same thing about, oh, yeah, the coffee. So, you know, like, who knows what that's about. And uh, oh, the last thing I'll mention is the screaming I mentioned that a lot of different people heard over the years. It would always come from the same corner of the back of the building, and everyone always kind of seemed to struggle how to describe it. I personally never heard this one, but it's, I know five people or so that all heard it. And they all described it as, I've heard it described as an animal being killed. I've heard it described as a baby crying. People don't really know what to make of it other than it's a really loud screaming sound of, it doesn't sound normal, I guess, is the best way to put it. So I could go on and on. There's a lot of other little stories that I have, but, you know, those are the major ones. So hopefully this comes across okay and you can hear me all right and you can put it on the air. Anyways, love this show. Keep up the good work and I'll be listening. Thanks. Bye. My question is, what was that building before it was a pool hall? Yeah, in my mind, it just... He said it wasn't an old building. He said it was built in the, the 90s. So what was there before... Yeah, I mean, when you got things like the coffee, I mean, that just screams to me like there was something else that was there, and there's some other people who are still inhabiting that place Yeah, as if it was theirs. Whether it, it's the initial structure or not, I don't know. But th- that that's kind of what I'm getting out of it. Well, the screaming and the crying sounds residual to me. Yeah, that, that does. I mean, the... Uh, the dark thing that came and scared the hell out of him with the banging and breaking the door. Not so residual there. No. So I think there's multiple things going on. I think so. Um, it's it's interesting how some of these things where it seems their only intent is simply just to scare. You know, it's like, let's see how freaked out we can make this person. I mean, it makes you wonder, do they have the power to actually physically harm? Because they were able to harm the door and break the door. 
Yeah. Um, so would, in theory, they have the ability to also harm the individual who is right there as well? And if if not, you know, if they do, why are they not? You're a ghost. You got nothing to lose. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm serious. I mean, I'm you know not right. trying to be a smartass. I'm just. Why do they? Why is it ending right there? Are they just trying to get them out? And is is fear the the method that they're trying to employ to do that? I don't know. Eight five five eight five three forty eight zero two is a phone number to call into Real Ghost Stories Online. So there's the haunted pool hall story. Now he's been wanting to get that to us for a while. I remember the Gatorade bottle part. So he alluded to that in a different story or not? Yeah. But I'm glad we finally got to hear the whole thing. Yeah, I'm. I'm glad he uh, he made it. Uh, I, it's interesting. Some of these these calls that we have. We get emails from folks saying, hey, did you get the story? Did you get the story? Did you get the story? And um, sometimes we just haven't gotten to it yet. Um, And sometimes there's calls that we get and they get cut off. Cell phones die. I mean, in the age of cell phones, it happens far too often, Um, especially if somebody's leaving like a 10-minute story. And it kills me because sometimes there's been a couple where I've really enjoyed like... um, because I'll, I'll listen to the front end of the back end before I play it on the show, just to make sure it's audible and that the, the person calling is speaking clear enough for all of us to understand what they're saying. Okay. Um, and if I can tell the back end, if the story's not ending correctly, if it's like the call just ends. Uh-huh. And on those calls, I, then I listen back a little bit further to see if, you know, do they get most of their story out? Can we, in fact, air most of this call and still get the gist of the story and cut it? Um, and it's somewhere... It's like a really good story you can tell, and then it just dies. Yeah. And there's no way I could just put that on the air. Well, it died here at the peak of the story, you know. <laughs> but that does uh, that does happen. So uh, anyway, eight five five eight five three forty eight zero two is the phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Riley writes in. This is a story uh, of the positive experience I had with a Ouija board a few episodes ago. You both requested a plain old good story about Ouija. And I happen to have a great one. When I was a kid, I think we were in seventh grade. One of my best friends, totally by coincidence, moved into the same house my mother was raised in. In the 60s, my mother lived there with her five siblings, my mother and father, and reportedly a very mischievous ghost. One story she always loved telling was when one day everyone was getting ready to leave the house and none of the six kids could find their shoes. They each only had one pair, and they were fairly poor. They searched for a while, and finally my mom's older brother was going upstairs to check his bedroom again, and all six pairs of shoes were lined up along the top step, ready to go. So, I begged my mom, who was still very superstitious superstitious but not spiritual, to buy me a Ouija board so my friend and I could talk to the ghost in her house. She gave in and told me I don't believe in it, and I do not uh and said i don't believe in it and i don't not believe in it okay just be careful with that thing so i uh, bought uh, into my friend's i was brought into my friend's house we brought the ouija board there at first we were nervous and her parents weren't thrilled with the idea of us up all night scaring ourselves silly We started with the ceiling lights off and a small dim lamp in the corner so we could see the board. With our fingers on the uh, cruiser, 
we worked up the courage to ask if anyone was with us. And sure enough, it slowly moved to yes. We were hooked. Before long, it was like getting on a phone with an operator. It would say who was there, and sometimes it would go to random letters very fast. Sometimes it would go straight to the letter N. By the time we got comfortable, we would just ask for N. Then, from there, we would ask N to let us talk to our friends, relatives, whoever. It was like clockwork. We'd sit and talk for hours to our grandmothers, grandfathers. If there was ever a friend with us that didn't believe it was real, we would have them sit off to the side and tell us who they wanted to talk to and what they wanted to ask. It was that simple. It would spell out the answer, and the person sitting six feet away would either jump up in or completely start freaking out. Uh, One of the most interesting things about it was how fast the cruiser moved once we got going. You could spell out names and places, yes, no, so quickly. Not like a scary movie where it creeps across the surface, but like we were speaking with someone. After a while of asking questions, you could tell patience on the other end was wearing thin because answers wouldn't come as quickly or clearly. Also something very strange, if we sat long enough without saying anything at all, the cursor uh, would begin to move in a big circle around the board like whoever was on the other end was saying, Hello, what are you waiting for? I know there was something there with us. Maybe it was always just N messing with us. Maybe N was a demon trying to draw us in. Maybe he or she was the same entity that lived with my mother when she was a kid. I know N was in our imagination. I felt eyes on us every time we used the board, which was almost every weekend. He was a gatekeeper of sorts, I think. We tried all the typical things. Do something to prove you're here. Can I take your picture and move something in the room? But I don't think it was as simple as making a dog do tricks. Also, I think a common mistake people make is mocking the situation. Would you want to enter a room and speak with people laughing at you? I will say we were always on our best behavior with N. We always said hello and goodbye when we were done. We never took our hands away without excusing ourselves. When we were finished, we put it back in the box neatly and put it away carefully. I believe that even a bunch of kids, we knew that something very real was surrounding us. And it was in our best interest to take it seriously. That being said, even today, when I think of N, I feel safe, not afraid. Remember, our hands were always freezing cold when we took them off the cruiser. The whole room was always cold also. One evening early on, I remember asking to speak with my great-grandmother. And when we were finished, I said goodbye. Suddenly, cruiser moved to spell something out. Never say goodbye. My friend finished the thought with, To the ones you love. And the cruiser shot straight to yes. After that, I knew whatever was happening there was special and looked forward to using it every chance we had. Eventually, we grew apart, but I still have the same Ouija board put away at my parents' home. That's all there is to it. Nothing terrible ever happened. We never had to light the thing on fire or have the house cleansed. It felt like our very own way to communicate with the other side. Remember those nights very fondly. Thank you so much for what you guys do. I'm entertained daily by your fantastic show, and I just became an EPP. Looking forward to my weekly bonus episode. I hope my story offered the perspective you were asking for, and thanks again for reading. Riley. 
I like Riley's story. I'm not going to harp on my soapbox about Ouija boards. But what I like most about the story is mm-hmm. the way that they were respectful to the ghost. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's important to to do that, you know? Treat them the same way you would treat a stranger. Well, I think regardless of, of what um, method you're interacting with them at, whether it be a Ouija board, um, which we don't advise doing... Uh, and I'm not harping on Riley. I'm just saying we, <laughs> yeah. Um, or if it's, um, you know, you happen to come across to home, you know, them in your house on a regular basis or wherever it may be, just, you know, them making themselves known to you. It's good to treat it not like a, uh, you know, a cheap parlor show. Right. You know, if in fact it is a former human being that you're dealing with, they'd like probably the same respect they would have had in life in death. Not a cheap parlor trick. Yeah, exactly. No, I think that that's really good, and I like that they they did that at such a young age, you know? Mm-hmm. Hopefully they remain respectful to any other spirits they encounter. Yeah, very interesting story. Thank you for writing in and, and sharing it. If you have any more, we would, uh, we'd love to hear it here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Our phone number again, 855-853-4802. That's the phone number to call in 24 hours a day, seven days a week to share your real ghost story with us. Remember to press subscribe on whatever platform it is you may be listening to us on. Uh, if you're a new listener to the show, maybe you found us over the Halloween months. Uh, we do the show year-round, so you got ghosts all through the holidays. Yes, you do. So uh, be sure to press subscribe so you uh, don't miss out on any of the uh, upcoming episodes. Get them uh, sent directly to you. Let's uh, go to another caller. Hi. Hi, Tony. Hi, Jenny. This is Shannon from Spokane. I am now a P-E-P-P. That's a proud extra podcast person. And I have another story for you I would like to tell. Um, I'm the one who called who had the dream the night my father passed away. And as I told you, I grew up in a house that had uh, some kind of an entity in it that I believe was totally protective. And this story happened um, before my father passed away. I was about seven, seven or eight years old. And my parents had gone away on an overnight fishing trip. My sisters and I were home. Well, I have two sisters, six and eight years older than me, and my brother is nine years older than me. And we were home alone. And my my brother was gone for the day. It was like a Saturday afternoon. And my brother was gone for the day. So it was my sister... Uh, and her friend and then my other sister and I. And we were in the living room of the house. I don't know what we were doing, but all of a sudden we heard this huge crash in the basement, just just like an explosion. It was so loud. And of course, being four scaredy cat girls, we screamed and ran out of the house and went to the neighbors and asked him if he'd come and, and check it out. And so of course he said, of course he would. And he was sure that my brother had just returned to the house, and my brother's bedroom was in the basement, and uh, so he was pretty sure my brother and his buddies were just playing a trick on us girls. And But he said he'd come over, and he headed down to the basement, and all three or four of us girls were on his tail, you know, with him. And when we got down there, 
we went into the pantry and my parents used to make root beer um, and they had made a batch and it was all lined up on the pantry shelf and back against the, the, the wall and the shelf was probably about a foot wide, you know, about 12 inches wide, maybe five feet long and all of the root beer was lined up against the wall at the back of this shelf. But when we went down there following our neighbor, John, um, it was all broken on the floor, just root beer and glass everywhere on the floor under this shelf. And uh, so, of course, he said, oh, you know, it, it just broke. The shelf probably collapsed or your root beer exploded, whatever. You guys just need to clean it up. And uh, so, okay, we... We were supposed to clean it up, so we were down there. And I remember thinking, even then, how odd it was that if this root beer exploded, there was no root beer on the wall or the shelf or no glass on the shelf. And this shelf was rock solid. It, it was not wobbly or anything. And all of the glass, all of the root beer was underneath the shelf against the wall. And in order for that to happen, the shelf would have had to either give way and then reset itself, or the bottles would have had to actually roll off the edge of it and then fall back under the shelf. And so it was really odd. I don't, I don't know. Um, personally, I kind of think that uh, this, whoever was in the house with us was kind of protecting us. I think there was probably something wrong with the root beer. Of course, we'll never know, but that's that's my belief because there was never any malicious things from whatever was in the house. It was always... Um, there, we could always find a reason why she was making herself known. And uh, so that's my story. Um, of course, my parents just believed that the root beer had exploded or the shelf fallen, whatever. Um, until years later, my mom finally said, yeah, that was pretty weird, but my dad didn't believe. And so we just didn't talk about those things. But that's, that's what happened. And all the root beer underneath the shelf, not up the wall or not out in front of the shelf, it was all back against the wall under the shelf. And uh, so kind of strange, but that's my story and I have lots more I'll call back and tell you another one another time thank you have a great day love the podcast very proud to be an EPT bye bye now okay she referred to it as a she I want to know the story there how they think it why they think it's a she I want to know how to make root beer at home (laughs) if you make root beer at home and there's something wrong with it can you get like violently ill or something? Well, if you could get violently ill from anything you make at home wrong, really. Um, yeah, I mean, canning, jarring, uh, root beer would be fermenting. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but again, make chicken uh, wrong and you could get violently ill as well. I know, just root beer seems pretty harmless. I don't, I don't know... Uh, I think you're, you probably have better odds of, of creating uh, root beer that's going to not kill you versus making chicken that will. Okay. Um, 
that's without knowing how to make root beer. But it, it's a fermentation process, I'm sure. But it's kind of a science. If you measure it out correctly, you do it sterile. You know, I'm sure there's a sterilization going. I don't know. There's something <laughs> I don't know, but I do know somehow. And I'd like to do more than just like the Bed Bath and Beyond. Here's a barrel of root beer. You know, they sell those at Christmas time. Okay. Because well, they have like the beer making kit. And there's a root beer making kit too. Okay. Um, but I, that'd be kind of fun. That would be fun. We could have a whole root beer brewery in the garage. Um, <laughs> yeah, or not. Okay, anyhow. Um, yeah, I want to know more about what the ghost is, uh, if it's a she or why it's a she, and if there was something wrong with it, or if they were just, maybe the it was being mischievous, maybe it was trying to let them know that it was there. I mean, tipping away the root beer doesn't necessarily constitute harming anyone. No. Um, more so, I think, would be making itself known. Yeah. So, I don't know. Interesting story, nonetheless. Uh, 855-853-4802. That's our phone number. Uh, Heather writes into us, uh, Hey, Tony and Jenny, I'm writing to share an unexplained event that I experienced about 10 years ago when I was 16 years old. The story takes place in my hometown of New Berlin, Wisconsin. Ah, suburb about 20 miles west of Milwaukee. Uh, being a newly licensed teenager in a town without much entertainment, my friends and I spent hours driving aimlessly around town in search of any remote forms of fun. This story is about how we uh, one day explored a place we referred to as the village. I should also mention that uh, one of our various forms of fun at this time in my life was dabbling with Ouija boards, and we just happened to have one along the day of my story. I think the first time we heard about the village from the older sibling uh, of one of my friends. We're given directions on how to get there, drive to the outskirts of town, turn down the road, which was appropriately titled Shady Lane, drive to the end of the paved road, park the car beyond the pavement, was a smaller dirt trail leading into the dense woods, inaccessible by vehicle. We got out of the car, started to walk into the woods. After walking for about a half mile, we came upon a clearing and the remains of what was once quite a large farm residence. We dubbed this abandonment the village because it looked more like a small village rather than a homestead. There were two barns, a house, several small shed-like buildings. After exploring the village, we sat down at the larger of the two barns. The barn was very open and bright as it was missing most of its exterior walls. Sitting inside, we looked through the barn to a small field with dense, uh, a dense forest lining the edges. We took out the Ouija board, began to ask a few basic questions. Does anyone want to communicate with us? After getting a little response, we were about to pack things up until we started to hear a knocking sound coming from the woods beyond the field. The knocking started to get louder, and we all stopped talking and listened. The knocking continued, and one large tray on the edge of the field began to sway. It's important to note that it was not a windy day, and the other surrounding trees remained still. We watched in curiosity as the tree's movement changed from a sway to a total shake, we all looked at one another until my friend Joe broke the silence. Being the instigator he was, Joe yelled out towards the tree, We can see you! This, however, was untrue. We couldn't see anything through the thick brush and trees. All we could see was the movement. Immediately, the tree stopped shaking. I was thinking that the tree was far too big for a single person to shake alone, let alone multiple people. After about a minute, the knocking began again, this time louder. The tree began to shake again, almost violently. I took this as a sign to leave. 
We quickly gathered our things and headed to the exit of the barn. Before we could go, Loudmouth Joe had to get the last word in. And he yelled out, come out and get us. My friend and I stared at each other, shocked, and out of instinct started to run to the edge of the barn. As our feet touched the gravel outside the barn, we were all silenced. Once and for all, Joe was not going to get the last word. A noise I cannot explain bellowed down from directly above us. It was a mixture of a human cry and almost an animalistic howl. The cry mixed within the sound of a thunderclap and metal grinding. This noise was so loud that we stopped in our tracks. I hadn't come from the woods beyond the barn. It came from directly above us, which was only a clear sky. The noise was amplified, coming from seemingly nowhere. There was nothing we could do but run, and we ran all the way back to the car. We sat in silence for a while, trying to explain the noise. None of us could come up with an explanation, and we knew no one would ever believe what we had experienced. I had not been back to the village since, however, I have been told all of the buildings are now destroyed and gone. I have looked at the village through Google Earth, and I can still spot where the barn once stood, along with the field and the tree line. I have not worked up the courage to go back. Again, I don't know if I ever would. Thanks for hearing my story. I look forward to listening to your podcast on my commute to and from work. Keep up the good work. Okay, have you ever heard of the village in New Berlin? I have not heard of the village in New Berlin, no. Okay. Sounds like a creepy-ass place. It does. It does. A place I wish I would have known of <laughs> back in the day, because that would have been standing when I was uh, a young lad wandering around those areas. Um, and actually, I, I can kind of relate. I, I never really had like a place like that that I went to, but when I was 16 and had my driver's license... I would cruise around in the countryside, oh, about 30 miles north of New Berlin. Okay. Um, so I know the general area, and it's all pretty similar. Mm-hmm. Um, very, It's a beautiful area um, in the daytime. I mean, if you get out close towards the lake, you get to Lake Michigan area and whatnot. But if you're more inland, you don't really see the lake because you know, there's hills and trees and forests. Uh, a lot of farmland, lots of little towns, um, and you just kind of stumble upon them. Um, I mean, if, if you live in the area, you know, you know where they're at. But if you're new to driving, uh, which I was at 16, you know, it's like, ooh, discovery of all these places you may or may not have seen. And what's interesting about all the little towns is some of them are really kept up well and have a lot of neat little things going. On. Some are just kind of remnants of towns. Um, and there's like, like essentially ghost towns, you know, that are kind of there. Um, so what I would do to, to just kind of creep myself out was I would just go get lost. I mean, this is pre GPS. This is pre having a cell phone in, you know, with you. I think the, the option at that time was probably bag phone. Uh, you know, and even then you probably wouldn't have coverage in that area. But, um, I would go out there with my uh, Pontiac Sunbird, uh, And I would just get lost in the dark um, sometimes. And there was a lot of really just weird little bergs that I would come across. And I'm sure they were completely normal, but they were kind of creepy if you don't know where you're at at night. No street lights or anything. Um, And then there's a lot of winding roads through, you know, trees and hills. Uh And, And there's cemeteries out there, too, in those areas. Lots of little Catholic cemeteries. 
um, which just lit by moonlight underneath trees, you know, overgrown trees, uh, can be a very spooky sight. Yeah. And uh, I had a great time. (laughs) (laughs) That was my teenage years right over in that area. So cool to hear the story. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number. Kathy writes in, hi, guys. I really enjoy your podcast. I have many stories to share. But here is one that is nearest to my heart. When my father was dying in the hospital, I received an emergency phone call from the nurses that he was not going to make it much longer. I made the long trip to Pennsylvania from New Jersey around 6 p.m. and arrived late. It was December the 5th and very cold. I went in to sit with my dad and also to comfort my mom. I hugged dad and kissed him and told him it was okay for him to go. I said I understood life was no longer enjoyable to him and that he had been through enough illness for one person. We already said everything we needed to say to each other when he was lucid, so I did not feel the need to say any more or ask him to stay longer. My mom felt the same way, but still, he suffered in unconsciousness, having trouble breathing. It was upsetting, and I was exhausted by 1 a.m. that I decided to go across the street to the hotel and get a few hours of sleep. My mom stayed in a chair by his side. She refused to leave. The next morning, I was back at her side around 6 a.m., and she said she needed to go home to get him medication. And would I drive her? The nurses said Dad was still holding on, and we probably had time to do so. As I sat in our living room, Mom ate her Cheerios and took her meds. We watched the news, and I drank coffee, anxious to get back to Dad. Suddenly, the phone rang. The caller ID said the name of the hospital he was in. I answered right away, but no one was on the line. I said hello many times, but all I heard was static. I hung up and immediately called them back. They said no one had called us, so I thanked them and hung up. The phone rang again about a minute later, and it was a hospital again saying that, they, that we should probably come back as soon as we could. When we arrived, they told us my father had passed away about a half hour before. We had asked everyone in the ICU if they had called us, and not one person said they had. We believe that it was my dad calling to say goodbye. That's her story. I hope you enjoyed it. It was uh, written well enough for you. <laughs> it was. It really was. So thank you. <laughs> I, uh, I tend to think everything happens for a reason, and coincidences are kind of not a thing. Sure. At least that's just how I look at stuff. So... It would be one hell of a coincidence for somebody to Mm -hmm. call and then, you know, not speak on the phone at the same time the father passed away. Sure. And I've heard stories of that that sort of thing happening, too, almost where you get the call before the person dies and the hospital never called. Mm -hmm. I, I tend to believe, I think, sometimes if somebody is really gone, like brain dead or they're just not there their body's still there Mm -hmm. but they're not there i think this is just my opinion that i think our soul or whatever you want to call it the consciousness i think once it knows that your body's not coming back i think it moves on i think there's a lot of times where people are in the hospital or in some sort of a coma at some point that they're already gone that they, you know, that they moved on because I've heard stories of that too, where there's someone is in a coma and somehow it's like the astral projection thing almost. Uh huh. And maybe you know you could call it that too, um, where they're visiting other people um, as a ghost, yet they're not officially dead. Okay. You know, I I, I 
I don't know. I, I, I hear a lot of stories of that, and I, I tend to kind of go down that route. And, and, and I suppose it's something you can say to yourself to feel better about certain situations, but I don't know. I think if, if you know, you're, you have a conscious soul and spirit, and if you're able to kind of choose when to come and go, I think you'd be able to call it yourself. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. Yeah. I agree. So, Thomas writes in, uh, I live in an old house. This house was used in the Underground Railroad. The house had caught fire twice in the past. When we moved in, I was four years old. Shortly after moving in, I told my mom that I saw an old lady holding a handbag next to my bed. She'd be there every night. My mother asked what she did in my room. I told her that she kept the dark people in the basement away. I was too young to remember this, but later I would take the downstairs bedroom and my sister would take my old room. My sister was about four when she took my old room. Two days after she took my room, my parents woke up to my sister standing by their bed. They asked if anything is wrong. My sister said she went downstairs and a dark man scared her. My mom asked how she got back up. My sister said an old lady told her that she shouldn't be down there. The lady picked her up and took her into my parents' room. That's pretty crazy. That's creepy when you got the two kids, different ages, experiencing the same ghosts, different points in time. Yeah. That's where you got a true haunting. Yeah. There's not a whole lot of uh, reasoning that one away. No. You know? That was short and sweet, but I got to the point. It really did. Uh, 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call us here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Let's do one more call here before we wrap up the show for the evening. Hi. Hi, Tony. Hi, Jenny. This is Cynthia calling again from Mexico. Um, just uh, catching up on episodes, and I'm currently listening to the one uh, titled Devil Dancing in Denver. And I just wanted to say that when Tony was um, mentioning or reading the story, I immediately thought that, yes, we do have that almost same version of a woman dancing with a gentleman in black, and then everybody found out that, you know, he was the devil. Um, it's basically the same thing. There's just no rodeo involved. It was in a disco, and this girl was at a party, and she, uh, most versions say that she shouldn't have been there. It was the Holy Week, and her mother told her, don't go out. You have to be um, doing your prayers, because uh, like I mentioned before, uh, here it's most, most uh, Catholic people. And she disobeyed her mom, and as punishment, the devil showed up, uh, obviously as a very uh, handsome gentleman, all dressed in black, and he asked her if he wanted to dance, and she said yes, and they were dancing, and um, she started to notice uh, that the people around them were, like, wearing very shocked expressions, and she started getting um, very hot, and she said uh, something along the lines that, uh, I feel like I'm floating, and when she looked down, she discovered that her feet were not touching the ground anymore, and that the feet from the gentleman were um, hooved uh, feet or goat's feet, and when she looked up to look back at the gentleman, that he had turned um, into, into the devil's face. And versions vary as to what happened here. Some say that, you know, that the guy threw her against the ceiling and she died. Others say that they both disappeared in a ball of fire, and at the end of the story, the girl <laughs> dies, but nobody can actually confirm that this was what actually happened or not, but like you mentioned on the show, I think that um, it's a story that it's fairly similar in very different areas of the world. And I also wanted to share a ghost or a weird story that happened to me a few years ago. I wasn't little. I was um, in college when this happened. 
and I was giving a ride to a friend of mine, a very close friend of mine. And when we parked to um, in front of her house, and she, her house was uh, at the end of a cul-de-sac, uh, she noticed that she didn't have her keys, the keys to the gate, but she did have her keys to open the front door. So she called a family member, and the family member said, okay, I'm on my way, but it's going to be like 30 minutes to an hour before I get there. Um, so we, were, we parked in front of her house, and we were just talking. And, um, and, you know, very few people were passing by at the time. It was night. Uh, so the only source of light that we had was the street light. So as I'm talking to her, I, I just start saying, hey, you know what, you know, I could, I can give you like an alley-oop. Um, you can hop the fence, um, and then, you know, you have the keys to your front door so you can get into the house. And she said, okay, yeah, fair enough, we'll, we'll do that. So as I turned to unbuckle my seatbelt, because I still had it buckled, um, the, the way that I parked, I could see the front of her house. So when I turned to unbuckle my seatbelt, I very distinctly saw a shadow or an outline of a male, an adult male, clearly run all along the front wall or the front part of her house. So at this point, I'm not freaked out. I just thought, oh, well, I, I, I think I tricked myself into seeing that when I moved or when I turned to unbuckle my seatbelt, you know, with the lights, and then I had a tinted windows on my car. I, I was trying to think, you know, how, what could I have done to, to make myself think that I saw that? So then I see my friend is, really, is looking really weirdly at me, and she said, and, and, I, and I thought that, that she was looking weirdly at me because I had a frown on my face, like, hmm, like thinking, how did I see that? And I said, oh, I'm sorry. I, I, just, I was just thinking to myself, how could I trick myself into seeing a, the shadow of a guy? And she said, you saw it too. <laughs> so then we were both screaming, like, no, hell no, we're not going to that house alone. Um, so we just sat and waited for her relative to come by and <laughs> and, and open uh, the gate to her house. And um, during this time, she had mentioned to me that some things were going on in her house, some shadows and weird stuff, but she no longer lives there anymore. And, and I personally never saw anything besides that, but it was just a... a freaky experience so hope to listen to it on the show and um, again as, as everybody says I love the show and I love listening to it every day and just keep up the great work guys bye thanks for calling in and uh, and sharing your story with us we really do appreciate that I'd say that's one case where well anytime you have a haunting misery doesn't love company because I think you can you know try and talk yourself out of it or justify it as something else mm-hmm. until that other person says oh I saw it too and you're like damn it's real <laughs> it's like oh did you see that yep yep right there sometimes if you would just kept your mouth shut you could you could walk away from it going eh, maybe I saw it maybe I didn't you right know, you never really know 855-853-4802 that's the phone number for uh, us here at Real Ghost Stories Online to call in your real ghost story and to share it with us. Be sure to press subscribe on whatever platform it is you're listening to so you don't miss any more episodes of our show. And if you're not done so yet, please consider becoming an EPP. It's an extra podcast person. Get an extra podcast sent to you every single week. And the satisfaction of knowing you're keeping our show alive. Or even, how about this, if you already are, if you already are an EPP, that's some uh, folks in your life who enjoy the ghosts, uh, you can now gift it as a uh, yearly subscription to someone 
for the holidays. Give the gift of ghosts. Check it out on the website, Real Ghost Stories Online. Your support, we greatly appreciate that. So it keeps the show going. So for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. 